welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. Today I'm excited to be joined by Stuart Balcom. Stuart is the head of growth at Arrows, which is a collaborative customer onboarding tool built for HubSpot, as well as the creator of the popular Steal This Workflow series for the HubSpot community on LinkedIn. He spent the last eight years helping early stage software companies grow by focusing on understanding customers. And today we are going to be talking about um, finding ways to win um, without competing. So with that, Stuart, excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I know we got a chance to connect uh, briefly in person uh, in September at the HubSpot conference, uh, which was awesome. But Eros just had a, a whole you know, horde of people all over the place chatting with the company <laughs> and everything. So we didn't get to chat for long because you have a lot of people to, to connect with. But uh, excited to, to be able to, to connect today. Yeah, totally, um, totally. I'm sure we'll get a, get into that event a little bit uh, as part of this. Yeah, this yeah, show. absolutely. Um, so, you know, like we said, chatting today about finding ways to win without competing. Um, it sounds like, you know, a marketer's founder's dream. Um, so maybe to start, just kind of elaborate on what you mean by that. Yeah, I think that the the biggest thing, and I think is a a constraint that's sort of forced by being a you know we're a, a small uh, relatively small eight person uh, team at Arrows with uh, goals that are uh, you know bigger than uh, than than eight people, and, and certainly uh, want to have an impact that is uh, the biggest that we can have with with the team uh, size that we have, and I think that. There's, it's so easy to fall into the, the trap of you know, following all the best practices and, and sort of following the playbook and the, the thing that uh, has sort of gone before because it's, it's known, it's, uh, or it's seemingly yeah. known at least, um, and it's sort of all, all laid out. But um, ultimately, you end up in a, a game of averages and you're, you're sort of playing the same game that, that everybody else is playing and competing on the same terms as everybody else. Uh, yeah. and, and that's often as a small team especially, but I don't think that this approach is necessarily, um, you know, has to be only applied to small teams, but you don't have some of the resources, you don't have some of the uh, the advantages that other companies have in terms of brand name or ad spend or, you know, any yeah. of these things. And if you play the, the game that everybody else is playing, like you're just not going to be as effective because of those things. Um, so finding ways to uh, rewrite the rules a little bit, play outside of the the traditional game, um, and ultimately do the things, the sort of lens I look at a lot of this through is, how do you do the things that uh, other people just won't do um, mm -hmm. that that ultimately result in you having very little or no competition, even yeah. if only for a short time, um, that help you win without having some of the advantages that, that others have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you joined arrows was that were you coming in knowing like okay this is going to be uh the way we have to do this is try to find some ways to do that like did you know that or was it oh i'm going to be you know running marketing and growth for a startup and that's fun and then kind of kind of having to think on your feet once you're in like what, what was the situation there yeah so i joined arrows almost two years ago uh two years on wednesday uh as the first marketer um, knowing that I was going to be the first marketer and knowing that it was an early stage uh, startup, which for me is an environment that I've been in uh, a lot um, and, and like that environment because, you know, for some of the reasons that, 
that, that we'll get into around being able to do things that are not that sort of traditional, follow the path, assume that uh, what's worked before is going to be the thing that, uh, that keeps working. Yeah. Um, the thing that was encouraging about Arrows to me, I think, is that they, there were already signs that they were not just following the path, right? They, sure. uh, actually, the week before I joined, uh, they launched on Product Hunt, um, the Startup CEO's Guide to Customer Success, which uh, was a significantly bigger uh, content piece. It was well-designed. It was uh, certainly a, an investment uh, and uh, not, uh, you know, it, it was not a sort of set of optimized blog posts or a, you know, it was written by uh, Sherelle uh, Merriman in, in large part, um, who built and scaled programs um, at SproutSocialBooking.com uh, in onboarding, in onboarding. So it had, it was very subject matter expertise driven um, and was not necessarily the same thing that anybody else could go publish. So that was sort of a, yep. a good indicator that that was going to be, um, being able to do more things like that were going to be, uh, it was going to be a path that we could take. Yeah. And yet, and Arrows has taken some funding, but started out long before that as a bootstrap company, right? Yeah. So I always forget exactly how long Arrows has been, been around because, um, yeah, it was, uh, I think, May-ish 2021 um, when, when Daniel Bendick raised funding. Arrows has raised $5.3 to date, I think, um, uh, in seed. Um, but yes, previously was a was bootstrapped. Um, Daniel Bendick was sort of exploring other ideas um, that ultimately became uh, the collaborative onboarding tool that that Arrows is uh, today. Um, and I think that there's it, it is interesting that I think there's the the sort of bootstrapper mindset, um, not necessarily for marketing specifically, but for you know, is there a way to to make more out of this this budget? Is there a way to do things that uh, look at uh, or give us advantages that are different than just spending money on stuff. Yes. Um, like, sure, sometimes spending money is a great solution and um, is the thing that you should go do, um, but it, it's not necessarily the first thing that you have to go do. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was, was wondering. It's just, I think that that's, it feels like those two kind of are very related, you know, to kind of, I, when companies start out bootstrapped, even if they do raise funding later, I think that they, just tend to approach things a little bit more that way and, and trying to like figure out creative solutions or questioning why, like, well, just cause our competitors are doing it. Why does that mean we have to, um, and so I think that's uh, a cool, you know, healthy foundation for approaching a lot of the investments and stuff. Um, but I guess more practically speaking, how, how do you actually find these things? And, and obviously, you know, maybe you don't want to give away everything, but like, um, yeah, just, you know, this sounds, it sounds nice in theory, I guess some people may see it, you know, having not done it to just be like, well, sure. I'd love to win where I don't have to compete. Um, but how do you do that? Do you stumble into it? Do you have a, a process for identifying stuff? Like what's that like practically? Yeah. I mean, and to a certain degree, it's a little bit of both. Like you, you find things along the way that, are that are opportunities that, um, that aren't sort of on the on the beaten path, but um, starting from that process of, in order to compete in a space that doesn't have competitors, you have to know, you know, what are the spaces, what are the, mm. what are the opportunities, and you have to ultimately find things that other people haven't either haven't found or passed over because they didn't think that they were a big enough opportunity, 
which actually there's a lot of gold in that is like this is a thing that um, seems like it won't scale um, or that the approach to uh, you know pursuing this channel or pursuing this approach doesn't scale um, and that there's a there's often a lot more value there and especially when you do a lot of those things over time and they compound um, you can end up with something that ends up that becomes pretty big um, yeah. without starting as something that had to be a you know big scaled program on day one yeah um, so for us that that looked a lot uh, I'm as you mentioned in the intro so starting with customers and sort of having a deeper understanding of customers is always the the starting point so the, the story at Arrows is a little interesting because when I joined, uh, Arrows was a standalone uh, product uh, for customer onboarding. So, you know, we had some integrations with uh, PubSpot, with Salesforce, but by and large was a standalone tool. Customers came to, to Arrows, didn't have to use anything else. Um, and then we made the decision in April 2022 to pivot to being a uh, HubSpot-specific Yep. Uh, solution that will likely change down the line, but for now you can only use Arrows if you if you use HubSpot. Um, and the starting point there was, well, what are people doing in the HubSpot community or trying to do in the HubSpot community? And of course, building on top of a platform makes it somewhat easier in the sense that you can literally go to community.hubspot.com and yeah. there are questions and answers for uh, for any any number of things. So that was really the starting point um, for. Uh, and I guess even before that, we were talking to existing customers and asking, you know, what are you trying to do but can't find an answer for? Like, what are the things that don't show up when you go and do a keyword search? Or what are the things yep. that don't show up when you, um, you know, scroll through the, uh, the listicles um, from competitors? Um, because cause often, uh, even if they're, they're not showing up in the tools, there are enough people asking um, or have... Uh, would like to know the answer to that question that um, you can go answer. And, and that was really the approach was identify the questions that nobody's asked, that people are asking and people aren't answering, um, and then provide the you know, 10x better resource than anything that's, that's available. So we went and it started with sort of customer interviews where we would find people would ask, you know, like, I've been really been trying to uh, figure out how to use HubSpot for customer success. Um, I've searched the community, I've, like I can't find anything. So we, we went and searched the community and mm. there were people asking and nobody really answering. So we went and wrote you know, 3,000 word pieces with video and images and all this stuff in the community um, and just answered the question in a yeah. way that uh, isn't what most would do. Yeah. Because you can make all yeah. sorts of arguments against that, right? Yeah. Um, and I know it's this, you said it's a team of eight currently. <clears throat> um, and there are plenty of startups with the marketing team alone being 30, 50, 80 people, you know. Um, so maybe there's there's not as much, you know, of an approval process and all that stuff. But, like, sure. for some of these things where you find it and it's more than just, like, you, you have some great LinkedIn posts that really spell out a lot of the details just within that, uh, you know, character limit and then everything there. But for some of the bigger things you mentioned, like, before you joined the you know startup CEO guide to success like how does that work to kind of pitch the idea or strategy for some of these areas where there, you see an opportunity like what's that look like internally? Yeah, I mean the the question is always it is less about should we make the or less about you know the investment itself and the expense or the time whatever it is and more so 
is this the right investment to be making? Um, so wherever possible, and I sort of jump between product and growth and in my career in, in startups, I often say that I take a very sort of product management type approach to uh, to content because I look at everything as an MVP, everything as a prototype, mm-hmm. um, where the goal is like, what is the smallest thing, smallest version of this that we can build and ship and try to sort of validate things that um, are going to be risky if we want to make a bigger bet here. So. Maybe a good example is um, now we have uh, a template library on the website with 60 plus uh, templates and there's a uh, you know a big written gated guide for uh, all around this topic of how to run customer success in HubSpot. Um, but it started as, you know we heard this question in customer interviews, like I've been trying to find a solution, trying to figure out how to do this um, and I can't. We went to the community, started writing answers there, accepted answers, upvotes, comments in the community. And then with that knowledge, I went to LinkedIn and asked LinkedIn basically the same question that had already been sort of asked and validated in the community and asked if anybody would want a Loom walkthrough of me setting up mm. HubSpot for customer success. And, and the theme here was that you know we knew that people had this problem, we knew that there was this pent-up demand, and that both there wasn't an, an existing solution that was speaking specifically to that problem, but also that the uh, delivery me- the delivery mechanism, the uh, type of content wasn't what people needed in order to solve for the job, right? That people were actually trying to go into their HubSpot account and set stuff up rather than read a blog post about you know, the theory of how it might be possible, how HubSpot is competing in this category of customer success sure. platform. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the problem. Um, and that posted really well. And the format of that post was basically like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Here are the five things it'll cover. Do you want this? And like 300 people commented on it saying that they, they wanted it. And then over the next couple of weeks, I sort of gradually wrote the individual pieces and put them in a Notion doc. And we, I guess same day, we put up a landing page that was literally like, hey, this is the LinkedIn post, screenshot of the LinkedIn post. If you want this thing, put in your email address. So we started capturing mm-hmm. some of that demand. But the guide itself wasn't, we actually didn't write as, okay, we did this post, we're going to take three months, go away and write this guide and come back. We just sort of continued to co-create that guide with the audience on LinkedIn by posting the pieces of the guide as we were yeah. creating them. Um, so what ultimately turned into this big thing on the website that has thousands of signups and um, you know, is a we've done co uh, workshops with HubSpot around this topic. We've run you know many of our own. Like it's turned into this big thing, mm-hmm. but it started out as just answering a question in the community, and then continuing that loop of learn a thing, ship a thing, see if it works, go back and iterate and, and ship mm-hmm. the next thing, um, which ultimately has been not just better for, you know, it's been great for demand capture and uh, sure. signups, but it's also been made the content itself much, much better because it's actually the thing that people want rather than the thing that we think they want. Um, yeah. and, spend a, and I mean, you can see across all our content, which I'm sure we'll tweak at some point, but it's basically all of our content is like Loom recording of screen sharing HubSpot and the CS guide in HubSpot, which I said, like thousands of downloads at this point, is just a Notion doc. Mm-hmm. There's nothing overly produced about the asset itself. It's just that it's really matching that demand in the market and the the solution that we're providing. Yeah, 
And I love that because I think there's a lot of individuals and teams that just uh, function very differently. Like, I, I think that there's there's a lot where you can kind of get caught up in, okay, well, there's a bunch of questions being asked in the community, and I need to figure out what's the right one to, like, invest in building this really big resource. It's going to be my, you know, my quarterly project or my big rock or whatever, you know, people want to call it. Um, and the way you're discussing it is, like, you just sort of start with, like, LinkedIn post, you know, confirm the demand, then, you know, over time kind of build it piece by piece versus, like, like you said, going, holding up for months at a time and just you know coming out and being like okay we took this big bet on this big piece um so i really like that approach that you've got some assurances some reinforcement and then just sort of building it you know mvp style like you said kind of over time um feels like a really smart way to do what we're talking about which is like get into some of these areas that are maybe less proven you can't look at you know hrefs and see oh okay yeah our competitors are getting you know ten thousand visits a month from this topic uh, you have a little bit less validation on that side. Um, so this seems like a, a really smart way to do it. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting that maybe is a little specific to the situation at, at Arrows because of the sort of HubSpot focus, but one of the things when we made the pivot to uh, be a HubSpot-focused tool that uh, became really important was we can actually no longer sell to the vast majority or at least you know a good segment of the total market of people who could go buy an onboarding tool, right? So we really looked at uh, a content as a filter for, and obviously we have the added challenge if it's not just anybody using HubSpot, it's people using HubSpot for things that you actually can't uh, identify from their website pixel. <laughs> uh, right. Like they may be the same people, but they may also not be yeah. um, because they're using uh, arrows for post-sale stuff. Um, and I think that sort of leans into this idea that Resonance with a few is much better than, you know, reach and reson reach and no resonance with many, right? It's sort of how do you start from sort of the epicenter and like really build true fans, build uh, build value in content in the content that you're creating first, and then figure out how to scale and uh, you know and get broader distribution of that thing, right? Like now we're at a point where we're sort of starting to at least for things that we have been doing for a while like we've the cs guide uh has been out or that concept has been out for 15 16 months at this point um we're starting to look at it you know other distribution channels like what are the places that we can go and re like we know the content works where are the places where we can identify more of this uh persona more of this more people with this job and just make, just make them aware of this thing that we already know is validated. And I think the thing that's especially interesting, I was just on a call this morning talking about this, what it ultimately comes down to, or sort of when you know you're in a good spot, is when you can have the same conversation that the reader or that the audience is having with them rather than sort of joining that from afar and saying, hey, look at my shiny stuff over here, but you're actually part of that same conversation. It's just a very different dynamic from a content yeah. perspective yeah absolutely uh and i know you've mentioned a few already but <clears throat> what are um maybe some other examples of, like work that you've done at arrows or or just other SaaS companies um where there's like 
finding that space, little competition, and just building that out. So you've, you've mentioned a few things already, but I want to kind of give you a chance, anything, any other examples you want to, to call on, I think would be great. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones at Arrows that have really, really stood out, the CS and HubSpot guide and sort of everything around that has definitely been a big one. And we, so some of it is timing, right? Like there is also this move in, uh, in the market as a whole that, uh, you know, people are trying to consolidate tooling, more people are trying to do more in the tools they already have. So HubSpot is a tool that you might be using in marketing and sales and CS is a function that uh, you might want to bring in there. So that's, that's certainly the, the biggest one, but funnily enough, you know, a couple of weeks before I joined Arrows, um, I did essentially the same thing as we did with the CS guide on LinkedIn, but on Twitter with a customer discovery playbook, which was, hey, and I'd been running a customer discovery uh, you know, prioritized service for a couple of years, and I essentially said the same thing, which was, hey, I'm thinking of, walk of recording a loom, walking through my entire process for customer mm -hmm. discovery. Here are the things you I'm thinking of covering. Would you be interested? And it it blew up. It had you know hundreds of thousands of impressions on on Twitter, and you know a couple several hundred. Uh, yeah, did the, is essentially the exact same playbook, which was yeah. like spin up a really simple landing page. Hey, here's the social proof from the original thing. And I think that the thing that is so the two things that stand out is one I think is finding the things that where you can get as specific as possible and as obvious as possible in the problem that you're going to solve uh, with the content. Like not trying to solve for everybody, but saying, actually, this is for this very specific use case. If you're trying to do this, this is for you. So I think that's one thing. And I think the other is actually doing the work and making the content solve for the job that the person has. Like somebody's goal when they're interacting with content is not read your content. It's... Right solve this problem that I'm trying to solve in my life, job, whatever, right? So making sure that the content actually delivers on that, yep. that promise, I think, is, uh, is important and, and gives you all sorts of downstream benefits of you know, social proof from content and uh, yep. being able to go and repurpose and, and repackage the, the content in different other ways. Yeah. And I know, you know um, <clears throat> when I get, did your intro, mentioned the steal this workflow, uh, and that seems to be almost like a a column or like a, a series or something that's like just this recurring theme in LinkedIn content and, and you mentioned in the community and kind of all that stuff that to me is a really good example. You mentioned earlier around one of the like doing things that people aren't willing to do because some of them that I've seen, it looks like you spent a decent amount of time building that workflow in HubSpot um, and, you know, uh, reasonably could believe that you just end up deleting it after, you know, or, or archiving it or whatever. Like it's not something you're building because you need it personally. It's just going the extra mile instead of just telling someone, oh, do this. Like you're actually building that workflow, then doing the video and explaining and walking through it. And um, I know there's one or two I've seen that have been like, oh, sweet. I can just pause it, <laughs> you know, like literally steal the workflow. Like it's perfect. Um, so I think that, that to me is a, a really good example of one that you guys have been able to just keep building on and does exactly what you're saying. Like, I don't need to read about all the ins and outs or how this compares to something else. Like I have this thing I want to do, show me how to do it or tell me how to do it, you know, and I do that. So that to me is a really, really solid one too. 
Yeah, I think that, appreciate the the call out there. I think that the thing that happens when you take this kind of approach is actually the content ideation part gets much much easier because you end up just answering questions that people are asking. Yep. Right. So a lot of the steal this stuff came out of, and because of the sort of uh, you know maturity or lack of maturity of the customer success use case in HubSpot, a lot of it was okay, somebody asked me this question because I have posted about this topic. I'm going to go figure out how to do it. And in doing that, I'm going to understand what are the constraints, what are the limitations, what do you actually need to do if you're going to, to do this yourself and yeah. then just post the, post the result. Um, and I think that that's the Steal This series kind of came out of nowhere because I wasn't like, and sort of, all the way back to the, you know, how do you get buy-in for these big things? Like you could look at steal this as like, oh, let's say multi-month, you know, giant series. It was the goal was never steal this would be a series. It was I need a hook for this LinkedIn post. <laughs> yeah. And and what was sort of a throwaway line is now being, you know, series on LinkedIn, it's on the site, it's in the newsletter, it's been an event, it's been all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The the way you've been able to kind of yeah, because the event at HubSpot was called Steal This Beer. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's really cool the way you've kind of been able to have some permutations and, and build off of that as almost like a, a mini brand within it, which is cool. Um, real quick, because I want to keep um, keep moving through and kind of wrap up this section in a second, and then we'll get to like the, the final four questions. But um, first, just like one last big area on this topic you know, for me, and I think what a lot of others might be wondering, it's just like, how do you know it's working? Like, what what do you notice, you know, when it starts working? So you gave a good example of posts on LinkedIn, 300 people commented or whatever, like, that's maybe not going to happen for everybody. Um, so like, maybe someone gets 20 people that respond, uh, you know, or something, but how, how do you know when it's working? Like, how is that working? And also, do you see competitors then trying to kind of like copy what you're doing too? Yeah, I, I think the thing that uh, is particularly important when you're testing these ideas is you have to be proactive about asking for feedback and paying attention to the qualitative signals that you're not going to see in your data, yep. right? So asking people to comment on a post is great, both because you want to see the volume of comments like, is the demand here, but that's of course going to be relative to you know your existing audience size, how much you get shared, the impressions of the, the content. Um, but it is a great reason why you know social is a great testing ground because it's a two-way uh, channel, which is helpful. But what you really want to pay attention to is what are people saying in the comments? Right? Are they asking for things? And I would always reply to people, especially in that first mess in that first post. I would always reply to any comments asking if there were specific things that people wanted to see covered. Right? It's the same thing if yeah. you put anything on a website, email gate it, make sure you ask in that first email, like, what are you actually trying to do with this thing? Reply and let me know. Or some you know, permutation of that. Right, You want to build that feedback loop as quickly as possible. Um, because both you have that proof then that is like, you know, these people are engaging, these people are saying these things. Even if this isn't the right piece of content, maybe there's something adjacent that we should actually go do instead. Um, and if you're trying to, if you need buy-in from, uh, you know, in order to keep going, in order to go do more things like this, pay attention to who those people are too. It's yeah. very different if, you know, if you sell to a highly inaccessible audience or a, 
you know, a busy uh, executive audience, but those are the people who are engaging with your content, that's a very good signal even at low volume that yep. you have something that's resonating, right? So I think that's uh, the next thing. Um, and then the thing that ultimately sort of how we measure the quote-unquote value or like the, the ultimate impact of this content is how frequently do people reference it once they get in the sales cycle? Mm. Right? How, how often are your reps hearing in demos, in uh, email threads? Like how often are they hearing, I really love that content or I went and did this, so I booked this demo, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's the thing that we, we now hear a lot, which is, you know, oh, I, I got on this call because I did a deep dive in the YouTube channel and yep. you know, went back through that. Like, and that obviously has two advantages. It's sort of validating that your content is driving pipeline, but also typically those people, the people saying that will have a much easier time becoming customers and being successful customers than people oh, yeah. who are called yep. from other channels. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I shouldn't have lumped the questions together, but the second part, um, you know, have you had any competitors or, or companies you've noticed that have kind of started to, because it, it's interesting to say, um, you know, to do marketing tactics or, or things that where they're like, you don't have to compete, but like you may still end up competing. So just kind of curious if you, if you find that you do have some folks creeping in, in, in that territory. Uh, not to a degree that we've paid attention to, I guess yeah, would be cool. the, uh, the reply. I mean, that's certainly, you know, like having a template library is not a, a, a particularly unique thing. Um, but I think that the advantage of going the extra mile on content and really creating something that your audience wants is the, you actually build a little bit of a moat with content and it, it actually becomes pretty hard to copy you. Um, because anybody who's copying it, it will be obvious that they're copying, um, and you'll, you were there first anyway. Yep. Okay. Love that. Um, so before we move on to the, the final four questions, anything, um, anything else you want to just add on the topic before we move on? I mean, I think that the biggest thing is you really have to spend the time, make sure that you know who you're solving for, what problem you're solving and, like making sure that you understand the sort of completeness of the job outside of the keyword, right? Um, like what does that actually look like? And does that look like the more, almost the more nuance you can find, the easier it is to find a space where you can compete uh, without competing, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's the first thing. And then really leaning into that, building that loop around feedback um, and sort of treating, and, a line that I always, I mean, I use in copy when I write post these first things, like I want to make this the best resource for X on the internet. Yeah. And if you mean that, you have to keep going back and improving it. You have to keep iterating because, you know, like a simple example is like HubSpot is always releasing new stuff or HubSpot is always changing their UI. Like mm -hmm. that's going to be true of just about everything. Um, so making sure you're building that feedback loop and actually following through on, on iterating is important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's worth just reiterating that um, making it the best thing on the internet does not necessarily mean making it the biggest or most highest word count. Uh, yeah. It is, you know, the point you're making is like actually understanding their job and what beyond that term. And that's what really makes it the best is that it just resonates so perfectly with them when when they read it or, or watch the video or anything like that. So yeah, it's um, ultimately how many, how many people took what you created 
and did something with it is sort yeah. of ultimately the the measure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you for, for all of that on that topic. Um, and then we'll just wrap up with the same four questions we ask all of our guests. Um, so real quick, first one, what's a recent success or learning you'd like to share? Yeah, I think I kind of alluded to, to it a little bit, but I think making sure that you're finding space to go back and replay the hits, go back and find time to evolve the content that you already have. I think there's, uh, it's really easy to see the next shiny object and, and go create something new, but like often the biggest impact thing is to go back and either add to, extend, update, um, and sort of uh, make sure that the, the content that you've already shipped in the, in the library is, is still solving for the job that you intended it to, to solve for. Um, for arrows, what role does content play in the overall marketing strategy? Uh, it, this is shifting a little, and I'm I'm excited about it. But to date, it has been the marketing strategy. Essentially, yeah. it's uh, content. Is, content is everywhere. It's across all stages of the life cycle. It's uh, you know, and we sort of really try to treat it that way. Um, but ninety. Five at least percent of uh, of pipeline is is inbound, um, and and I think we've really been able to build uh, a brand and a uh, some sort of authority in our little uh, niche of the uh, of the ecosystem around the content that we've created. Yep. How does Arrows define success for you and your team? Uh, for me, I'm meeting schedule essentially qualified. Qualify pipeline, um, yeah. which uh, is good and bad for content, uh, but yeah. ultimately keeps you focused on uh, on the things that really move the needle and the things that um, are impactful for the the people that you want to be adding to the pipeline. Yeah. And uh, lastly, what's your least favorite marketing conversation happening on social channels right now, and why? Uh, I mean, this may be common, but AI and content, specifically around the horrific applications of uh, AI's ability to scale all the stuff that's awful in content. Yeah. Um, I use AI in content. I think there are folks doing really interesting things with AI in the content space, but I think uh, a lot of the conversation seems to be dominated by, you know, how do we publish 300 blog posts in a week with five mm -hmm. minutes of work? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of horrible for everybody. <laughs> Yes, I, I very much agree. Um, yep. Uh, awesome. Well, that's the, the final four and that wraps everything up. So uh, with that, go, go ahead and conclude. Um, if you want to check out any of the existing episodes, uh, be sure to visit 10speed.io slash podcast. Um, and then for arrows, that's arrows.to is the website. Um, and you can find Stuart, uh, I guess I'll let you tell, uh, where yeah. we can find you. Um, LinkedIn is definitely the best place. Come say hi. Uh, try to post pretty, pretty consistently, uh, valuable stuff. So let me know if it isn't, let me know if it is. Um, but yeah, always happy to have conversations about this stuff. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. So thanks Stuart so much for joining today. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for having me.